Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS. You can follow Monoir on Twitter, our MLB betting savant, two W's. That's how you spell it on X, Twitter, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it these days. And we recorded our World Series betting preview yesterday, which you can find in The Lines YouTube channel or on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast if you're interested in betting Rangers D-backs, which... Starts on Friday, but before we get started here with our NFL Week 8 bets, give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the Lions releases a new sports betting video on any market, including NFL, MLB, NBA. We have you covered. College basketball is coming up in a week and a half. So whether it's here on YouTube or on any podcast platform, if you're checking us out just on the audio-only version of Beat the Closing Number, Apple, Spotify, Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Beat the closing number this season, Mo, as I've stated a couple times this week. For good reason, we are 18-9 and with spreads and totals here this season. Week 7 for me personally. I hit with the Ravens, Pats, and Broncos. Your bets went 1-1 and on the opposite end with the Lions-Ravens game. Unfortunately, I know I gave some other bettors a part of our network part of our company some crap this week but I won't do that to you and you were on the Steelers we were both in agreement there Pittsburgh covering at the Rams and winning outright and if you're interested in getting our bets in real time be sure to head over to the Lions Discord channel the link is over at the lines.com in the top right hand corner you can subscribe for notifications Mo how you feeling headed into week eight I'm feeling gross not in like the sense of like I'm <laughs> sick or anything, but I'm feeling the gross sides this week. I'm in agreement. You're also, I don't want to say it's gross, but this is now two consecutive podcasts that you're rocking the stash. So you shaved it. What after? Well, first, first time you had a stash was after the Jets Chiefs Sunday night football game. I remember that because it was after the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing. NFL made a big deal of that. Not that it hasn't been a big deal every single week, but it's kind of died down ever since that Sunday night football matchup. But going back to the stash, so what gives? I got shamed for it, and that was at my sister's wedding. The more people that shame me for it, the more we're hanging on to it. I respect it. I respect it. Going against the grade. You never told me about that, going to your we sister's wedding. We have to be contrarian. We, that's what we're about on this show. Did you explain that to the guests at the wedding? You yeah. think like a better? I got shamed. What happened? I, my sister said it was awful. My own sister. <laughs> well, clearly she doesn't know that sometimes you have to go against the public. Not that we advocate for that. And we kind of hate betters like that. But I digress, Mo. Let's get into our week eight bets here. Coming up after we break down four wagers against the spread, Aaron Kessler, former Las Vegas bookmaker. I haven't talked to him in a while. Good buddy of mine, though. Used to do some content with him. He'll join us later on and beat the closing number to touch on his favorite sides this week and some perspective from behind the counter. So if you're planning on betting any Week 8 NFL action, over at BetMGM Sportsbook, you can use promo code THELINES to get up to 
$1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Terms and conditions apply. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. Did you, was that your wedding gift to your sister, the the Lions bonus bet? I just pulled a stack of cash out of my pocket because we're DGENs, so that's the only gift we can give. See, I don't think you're kidding about that either. I'm not. <laughs> that's how you know Mo is a true gambler and a poker player at that. Just has a pocket full of cash. I'm honestly not surprised. And as Mo alluded to, we have some gross bets. Gross, disgusting wagers on the NFL Week 8 card. Kicking off with the Texans and Panthers. Houston is a three-point road favorite. Minus 105 at some books. Minus 110 both ways at others. Be sure to price shop. The best odds over at thelines.com. Total of 43.5. And And for context, the preseason look-ahead line was Carolina minus 3. So this line is flipped all the way to the key number on the other side. And for good reason, to an extent to me, there are some juiced Houston minus 2.5s, by the way, or at least earlier in the week. But Carolina 0-5-1 against the spread this season, Mo. Their lone push was against the Saints in Week 2. A backdoor push at that. Bryce Young tied for the second-worst adjusted EPA per play among qualified quarterbacks. But you are seemingly getting an upgrade at offensive coordinator, or at least what should be, some sort of offensive play-calling refinement with Thomas Brown, the Panthers' offensive coordinator, taking over the play-calling duties from Frank Reich, first-year Panthers coach after coming over from the Colts. Brown, mind you, comes from the McVay offensive system. So there is upside there. Hopeful upside for me at a bit of a discount if you expect this to be the floor with Carolina's offense coming off the bye and the adjustments coming. The Panthers also getting offensive lineman Austin Corbett back. Former Rams right guard also played for the Browns at the beginning of his career, coming back from that torn ACL that he suffered in the finale of last season's slate. So pass protection should be improved. I also think the play calling is going to be improved. Bryce Young coming off the bye. All this kind of upside leading into facing a Texans passing defense that ranks below average in both Passing success rate and EPA per dropback allowed. You have Jimmy Ward, the veteran back there that came over with D'Amico Ryans from the Niners. Steven Nelson is outperforming expectations. But other than that, defensive backfield is exploitable if, again, you get some sort of refinement with Bryce Young, whether it's from a play-calling standpoint or just him having a bye week to adjust after the first six weeks of his rookie season. And mind you, Bryce Young had the second shortest rookie of the year odds entering the year at plus 450. Now 80-1. to one. Thanks for reminding me. You had a bet. I know you had a bet on the Panthers to win the division. Yeah, I have some Bryce Young. Oh, Roy. Well, Steven, if it makes you feel any better, our boss Steven did bet Bryce Young. Kind of a hedge, maybe just also a long shot bet at this point of the season. Taking a dart at Bryce Young, because if he does have a good game against Houston, you're obviously going to see that number sliced. Maybe in half? Maybe a little more than that? I don't know. We'll see. Also depends on what happens on the other side of things with C.J. Stroud. And on that note, Carolina allowing the third most EPA per play. Defense has not been good. Injuries across the board, but potentially getting back Xavier Woods. He returned to practice 
one of their safeties on Wednesday. Also, Von Bell, who they got from the Bengals in the offseason. One of their other safeties, potentially back in the lineup, didn't practice on Wednesday. Not sure of his status as we're recording this. But half of their starting safety unit should be back in Woods. And Carolina also should be able to get pressure against a jumbled-up Texans offensive line. Yes, Laramie Tunsil is back, returned over the last couple of weeks. But Kendrick Green out for the season. Quisenberry out as well. They're starting center, I believe, going into the year. Got injured leading up to week one. So still some mix up there up front in terms of Stroud's pass protection. And this is a Carolina defense and a defensive coordinator in Avera who came over from the Broncos in the offseason that I think you could trust. You still have good edge rushers in Burns and Houston coming off the edge. And C.J. Stroud, mind you, 27th ranked pressure completion percentage, and catchable pass rate under pressure. So I'm still pretty high on this Carolina pass rush. I think they're able to disrupt Stroud, even though he's coming off the bye. So like Young, he's had time to adjust, and maybe Carolina's offensive line has had a chance to get in sync. But I bet Carolina at plus three, minus one, 10 mo. What say you? I mean, I kind of like the other side of this one, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm... I'd like to get some Houston minus two and a half into my account. Uh, Carolina, basically the worst at everything. I mean, the only thing they do well is rush the passer, like you were saying. Uh, But on the other side, you have a quarterback in CJ Stroud who's been amazing at sack avoidance, never turns the ball over. So I think that strength might be a bit mitigated here, if you even want to call it a strength. And then... Houston is just a solid team, man. I mean, I power rate this team in the middle of the pack. Um, They're off a bye, so I know that as bad as Carolina is, it's always with these bad teams that I look for some sleepy spots, but I don't think this is going to be one of those for Houston. I mean, they should be ready to go. Um, I also think, like, Carolina, I know that they scored a few points in their last couple games. I just wonder if any of that is meaningful just because when you look at the situations, I mean, they were down a million to the Lions before they did anything on offense. And then the very next game, you know, they catch Miami sleeping, like I was just talking about, go up 14-0, and then it's just literally 42-7 to after that. I mean, basically 42 nil. I think they scored the last touchdown of the game. So I don't know if those mean anything, to be honest. Uh, like you said, I do have in my notes about the new play caller. I do wonder what that's going to mean. Uh Frank Reich seems like he might be washed. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe that does help, but that could also involve some hiccups early on, even if it is ultimately a good thing. And I also do like that uh, the, te- uh, the Texans are getting Tank Dell back. He was a pretty helpful player, uh, multiple pretty big games. Um, I think he missed two straight games with concussion, maybe. I, I can't remember exactly it what happened to him. It was concussion, yeah. Yeah, uh, getting their full wide receiver core back. I mean, just pushing Robert Woods maybe into more of a bit role I think is good. And I just like this Texans team, man. I mean, they basically are just a covering machine, and Carolina is the opposite. So you would think, if anything, Texans might be overvalued in this spot. But then you look at this number, and it doesn't really look like they are to me. It doesn't. I still think the six-point swing Definitely should have been a swing from the preseason to look ahead line, but I still think a six point swing is a little bit egregious with the schedule that both of these teams have faced. 
it's pretty rough on both sides. They're both probably top 12 in terms of the competition that they played over their first six games. But I have their opponents rated pretty much evenly, maybe like a slight little under half a point difference that I broke down in my column this week. I think I have the exact number in there in terms of the power ratings for both of these teams' opponents. But you brought up that Dolphins game. Panthers secondary should be healthier with at least Xavier Woods back. Hopefully Von Bell is back because he's been playing pretty good football. And I noted how the Bengals secondary has taken a big step back without him and Jesse Bates in that defensive backfield this season. And they were due for regression anyways, considering all the backups and poor quarterbacks they faced last year. And they're going to get another one that we're going to discuss in a little bit. But on to the second game. So just to reiterate, Panthers plus three, minus 110. Mo may have a bet on Houston, minus two and a half. And if you want to tail Mo and fade me, head over to the Lions Discord channel to see if Mo ends up adding the Texans later in the week. Ravens at Cardinals. Baltimore is up to minus nine and a half pretty much across the board after sitting eight, eight and a half throughout the week. Total 44. Baltimore... I alluded to it from the get-go, coming off of that dominating performance over Detroit. We also touched on it on Monday's edition of Beat the Closing Number. Lamar Jackson, by the way, ranks number six among qualified quarterbacks in EPA per dropback, also has the highest rushing success rate of any ball carrier in the NFL. That's running backs or quarterbacks, and that's also considering he's the highest scramble rate of any quarterback. So the volume is there. It's not like... Not that you would expect it to be a low volume, but just for context, the Ravens defense also ranks just behind the Browns in EPA per play allowed and opponent success rate. How are you betting Ravens Cardinals, Mel? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I like the Cardinals. Um, (laughs) This is, I've talked about before how I think the Ravens are definitely overrated on the defensive side. Uh, They have faced an incredibly weak selection of offenses. And then, Last week, I know they had a very impressive win, but as I said before, I I just think the Lions basically no-showed in that game. I mean, they got steamrolled, and I think that probably the line was fine, but I wouldn't expect anything close to that. I don't think no showed. I mean, I would correlate the no show. I mean, they definitely no showed. I mean, they definitely did. They no showed, but I'm just saying, Goff struggles in those type of conditions. That's noted, and. I mean, he couldn't dissect that Ravens defense and they were able to get a lot of pressure. And that secondary was also overrated considering the schedule coming in. Yeah, I don't believe in their secondary at all. But yeah, the Lions just, they just laid an egg there. I mean, it's not a game where I'm just going to walk away saying, all right, Ravens Super Bowl. So I think Ravens are probably overvalued at this point. And then this definitely checks one of my favorite boxes, which is fade the team. That looked the best last week. And definitely the Ravens played the best of anybody last week. So very happy to sell high on them. And then you look at the spot. We've multiple times seen these touchdown plus favorites fall flat on their faces this year. And the Ravens happen to be in what I would say is kind of one of the sleepiest spots of the year. Really bad travel schedule to London, back from London. Now they travel across the country after a huge win against the Lions. Yes, of course, if you look at this matchup on paper, the Ravens should roll. But that's this is the sleepiest spot imaginable, playing 
arguably the worst team in the NFL after they got this huge win. I mean, last time we saw a spot like this, you know, Dallas lost outright to this team. So I know the Cardinals have really sucked the last few weeks, but I, you just, teams know that they can afford to sleepwalk in these spots. I think this is just a workmanlike one score win for the Ravens. One thing that I think goes in your favor here. Game script, if Arizona is able to run the ball efficiently, and it's not like this is a general surface-level comment when it comes to the Cardinals' offense ranking top 10 in EPA per carry. There actually is some stock in believing in Arizona can run the football on this Ravens run D, even though Baltimore is has a top 10 run D across numerous metrics because the Cardinals' offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, comes from that Brown zone rushing scheme, which has had uh, some success at the least against Harbaugh defenses when Pat Teen's been the offensive coordinator against Baltimore in years past, or not offensive coordinator, but on that staff. And you also have a dual threat quarterback in Josh Dobbs that, yes, is turnover prone, but just that kind of threat. If Arizona is able to maintain that positive neutral state game script where they're not trailing like they were. In previous matchups, whether it was Seattle last week, and that game was kind of within a possession, but previous ones outside of the Dallas matchup, really from the San Francisco game onward, the Cardinals have faced a negative game script of some sort. So if Arizona can run the football, the side definitely has legs. Yeah, and we've seen them go toe-to-toe with solid defenses before. I mean, San Francisco, Dallas, like... This offense has moved the ball at times, and it definitely has moved the ball on the ground. Obviously, the concern is their secondary is atrocious. They can't stop anybody from passing the ball. So, But, you know, you do have a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who is very good at times, but also erratic at times. So hopefully, you know, he has one of his more down games, and this is just a close game. I hope Ravens win outright. I don't really care if they cover. I have that Ravens future, so just keep on winning. Not that it necessarily matters with, I mean, I don't really consider. I mean, it'll help you playoff seeding wise for sure. So yeah, win outright. I'm just talking about getting value in the number. I don't really care necessarily about closing futures value. If you want to call it that, I'm just more so concerned with wins at this point, but right. Seeding, having a potential shot at the number one seed in the AFC isn't out of the realm of possibility for the Ravens. So Good luck to you and your Cardinals, Matt. If they can keep this thing and within a possession and run the football, definitely have a shot to cover. On to the third game that we're going to discuss, Mo. Chiefs at Broncos. Another disgusting plug-your-nose game, at least with the side that I'm targeting. Kansas City down from the spread of eight, eight and a half from the time we talked about this game on Monday. It's now sitting at Kansas City, juiced minus seven. There are some minus 102s out there in terms of Kansas City being favored by over the key number of seven at seven and a half. Also minus 105s for that particular spread. It's a rematch of week six. Kansas City covering that one by a field goal. And for some reason, Sean Payton decided to call a timeout on fourth down in the final 30 seconds that gave Kansas City the field goal that wound up helping them cover. So pretty pissed off in that regard, but maybe getting a little bit better of a number because of it here. And the Broncos also won five and one against the spread. So you're obviously going to get a potentially inflated number with a, a team that's struggling to cover and beat the market as a result. Kansas City outgained Denver by 
a yard and a half yards per play in that first meeting. And Denver, although they were outgained pretty heavily in that category, 52% rushing success rate, consider the league average is 39.4%. Denver also has the second highest run block win rate. So this is a really good offensive line and should have success against the Chiefs run defense that wasn't just vulnerable in that game, allowing the A and above average rushing success rate overall this season, but third highest EPA per carry to boot. And also consider, I I know you kind of laughed at the notion that Javante Williams is healthier, and I kind of did too going into that Packers game last week. I was the one who said it. Well, I couldn't tell if you were being sarcastic or not. Maybe that's what I No, he looked a lot better. He did. He did. 5.5, I hate to use a very vague statistic like yards per carry, but when you consider 5.5 yards per carry – despite being the only running back in week seven to face a stack box on 45% of his carries. I feel like that stat actually has, when it comes to Javante Williams potentially carrying that over into this matchup, or at least having success moving forward because he wasn't healthy coming off of that, or at least wasn't as healthy as he is at this juncture of the season coming off the torn ACL last year. And also with the explosiveness that McLaughlin has, off of broken tackles, Denver's ability to milk the clock and utilize that dead last neutral situation pace. It's pretty incredible when you look at the scripted plays versus unscripted plays and Denver's efficiency in the second half because it's one of the worst in the NFL. But if they could run the ball and keep Mahomes off the field, it definitely plays towards keeping this game within a possession. And Mind you, Kansas City, because it's been the opposite in recent years, Chiefs are 4-1 and one against the number when laying over a field goal this season. But the one area where maybe the Broncos could take advantage if their pass rush is as efficient as it was last week, and it's not to say that the Chiefs' offensive line is as bad as Green Bay's, but Kansas City's still a bit susceptible with their pass protection with Mahomes, especially with Taylor on the right side. And with Baron Browning back, I mentioned this on Monday's podcast, four pressures, 25% pass rush win rate against Green Bay. So a healthier Denver linebacking core, a healthier Denver defense overall that I've upgraded in recent weeks, especially with Justin Simmons returning at safety. You also have a potential look at spot here for the Chiefs with the Dolphins on deck going to Germany in week nine for that international game. Still think this line is inflated if you can get a juiced Broncos plus seven and a half. So I still like it at that number, Mo. I got eight on Monday. What say you for this game? I'm starting to get a little iffy on this one just because there's not as much value now as there was, I think, earlier in the week when the number was eight, eight and a half. At that point, I was liking Denver quite a bit. Uh, Now, I I don't think I would go past a cheap seven. I I guess that's okay, but. So would you seven and a half you're okay with? Yeah, that seems about the same as cheap seven, I would think. I mean, there's calculators where you can plug this stuff in, I think. but I'm just um, making sure. Yeah, I think it's still a fine play. I'm just not as excited about it as I was uh, when it was eight, eight and a half. Um, I do see some issues with Denver. Obviously, the pass rush being so bad against a Chiefs offense. 
when Mahomes was dropping back into clean pockets, the Chargers had just absolutely no chance last week. It was pretty comical. Um, and then you have a Denver secondary that outside of Simmons and Sertan, it's just a bunch of nobodies. I mean, I think you've talked about some of their other corners before. Damari uh, Mathis, yeah. Truly their other the safety is a guy I've never heard of. Something lock. He did have the pick. Um, so. Did have the game when he picked. It's better than... Better than Jackson, who's I think serving a four game suspension. I don't know if he's, he's like on that. a mission to get himself thrown out of the league or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I think you probably need some Casey sleepiness here, some difficulty with the weather, maybe, which you haven't mentioned yet. But I think we talked about before. I checked the forecast. It looks more likely to be bad now than it did before. Snow, the high yeah. has dropped from thirty five to thirty. And the chance of snow was up to 60%. So we could see some interesting weather. I'm not sure what that does. But with a Chiefs team that has had difficulty looking crisp on offense at times, maybe just introducing a variable like that can throw them off a little bit. Although I will say we have seen the Chiefs absolutely destroy Denver in snowy weather before. So maybe not. But this is a different group of receivers than that was. So um I, I still like Denver a little bit. One thing I would like to see from Denver, which is quite frustrating if you like Denver as a fan or if you've been backing them so far, um, we did see the Chiefs secondary get beat deep a couple times by the Chargers. But for some reason, they won't give Marvin Mims any burn. <laughs> so I would like to see him out there a little more. I think he had like a 30% snap rate in the last game. I think Denver's trying to go a little more big personnel type of deal, but I think he would be a good threat in this game, especially in a game where you're such big underdogs. You need some splash plays. Um, I know that running the ball, like you said, and keeping the pace lower helps Denver in the sense of shortening the game, but maybe at least having Mims out there a few more times and taking a couple shots would be good, but it doesn't really seem like they want to do that for some reason, but... I think stretching, I know that the Chiefs defense, the secondary has been very good, but I will say, I think Brian Cook is a bit slow. He's pretty beatable in the secondary. I think he's kind of the weak link of the secondary, and the Chargers definitely got after him a couple times deep. So if they can do that, I think they've got they've got a shot to make this a game. So the line is still, I think, good enough to bet Denver, but I wouldn't go any farther than it's gone. It, just keep an eye on the line movement there. No, I'm with you. I wouldn't bet 7 minus 110 both ways. It would have to be, to your point, 7, 105, 102, somewhere in that range, or I, I'd still prefer the, the hook at a juice number even. But no Nick Bolton, Chiefs linebacker, obviously huge their best run-stopping linebacker. So keep that in mind, too. If Denver does continue to run the ball efficiently, this is truly an underrated group when it comes to their run-blocking scheme, even though Sean Payton continues to make horrific coaching decisions. And then again, it's the same thing with their defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, who uh, the substitution stuff is just wild. So you could see the Broncos meltdown. I could totally see a similar situation to what we saw last week, Chiefs, or Broncos maybe covered in the fourth quarter, then Chiefs drive, essentially expanding the lead to two possessions like we saw on Thursday Night Football in their first matchup to cover. But last game we're going to touch on, Mo, Chargers and Bears on Sunday Night Football. Continuing the gross, disgusting theme here, L.A. 
eight and a half point home favorite down from the look ahead of nine and a half total of 46 and a half. How are you betting this game? Yeah, not a whole lot to add to our previous discussion. So I guess this might be a bit shorter, but I still think the Chargers should be double-digit favorites. I don't understand coming down multiple points because Tyson Bajant beat a backup quarterback with the Raiders at home. Um, You could tease this as well, but I kind of just like taking the Chargers here. Uh, I also kind of like Bears team total under. The spread and and the total has about like 20 points almost implied for the Bears. It seems high to me. When you have a quarterback like Bajan, who is just going to be out there throwing three-yard dump-offs, I think. Uh, he had one of the lowest dots you will ever see last week. So the Chargers, we've seen their secondary get torched multiple times. You know, their metrics are terrible. But look at the offenses they faced. I mean, Miami, Kansas City, Dallas, the Vikings with Jetta. This is a completely different situation, so I think the Chargers should probably win this by double digits. I will say, keep an eye on the statuses of Gerald Everett and Joshua Palmer. They both missed practice, so maybe I'd be more inclined to just go with the Chargers teaser if I'm worried that their offense can't move the ball enough, but you know, at some point, you do need some weapons out there, and, and I know this is the Bears, but that would be like three of their top four pass catchers basically at that point. So at that point, I guess I would be a little bit concerned about the Chargers' ability to cover a big number. You're going to have to score a lot of points unless you completely shut down the other team. Only concern for me, well, I mean, there are other concerns, but the one thing that kind of sticks out, whether or not the index finger injury is still bothering Herbert, and it could very well be the case. Chargers rank number 31 in offensive success rate. Since week four, which coincides with when Herbert suffered the injury against Las Vegas. Do you put any stock into that? Yeah, there's definitely been some bizarre misses in recent weeks. And I definitely have in my notes that I am not sure what the situation is with his hand. If it's bothering him, what is going on? It doesn't seem like it really should be that big of a deal. Since at least when it comes to load and fire time, I mean, you know, that's his offhand. So this seems like it should be get right time against a Chicago defense that just puts absolutely no pressure on the passer and a secondary that has been banged up and I think still is a little bit banged up. So uh, relying on some rookies, some young players, if the Chargers can't do it in this spot, I mean, Staley should probably not make it to week nine. (laughs) Probably should have resigned after the Jacksonville game in the playoffs. That was pretty rough. (laughs) Well, this would be rougher. So those are four bets. Carolina, truly just plug your nose. Just absolutely garbage can time here on the show. Panthers, Cardinals, Broncos, and Chargers. Now we're going to be joined by Aaron Kessler at Aaron Kessler on Twitter. He's a former bookmaker at the Golden Nugget out in Las Vegas. And as we get into our NFL handicapping conversation for week eight, like I alluded to, you've been a bookmaker, odds maker for a long time in the sports betting industry. And any fun stories that you have, whether it's behind the counter on a Sunday or throughout the week with a particular game, uh, handle wise or just sports book need? I know a lot of people dive into what the splits are, and Mo and I could care less about that but just 
as your experience as a veteran odds maker in the industry, maybe one game, one particular week that stands out from a, you know, a handle that was pretty lopsided. Yeah. I mean, go back to one of my first weeks on the job in 2006, Bears Cardinals on Monday night. I know you all remember the game <laughs> and you know, we had taken some sharp action on Cardinal Moneyline and we needed the Bears to win that game for our souls. So 23 to three, we weren't feeling so good, but the Cardinals did as the Cardinals do. Devin Hester did as Devin Hester does. And we were jumping up and down and hugging after the game. <laughs> it's kind of the theme of this week and last week for that matter. Backup quarterbacks, bad quarterbacks. You had Rex Grossman in that game for the Bears NFC champion Chicago Bears. So that pretty much says it all. By the way, Speaking of the Bears, I know you are a Bears fan, I believe, still. And do you still do the no green during football season rule? Yeah, I won't wear green from the day football season kicks off till the day the Packers are out of the playoffs. Then I throw on a green shirt and celebrate. Well, I respect it. Bo, did you have any Packers to win the division? Because I know some some of our coworkers at the Lions had that. And at least for Aaron's sake, it doesn't seem like Green Bay is going to be making the playoffs, unless they make a big run here with Jordan Love, which seems unlikely. But, Mo, you didn't have anything on the Packers, did you? No, I liked them when they were plus 500, but I usually don't bet that early. And by the time um, I was, like, ready to start putting in bets in late in the summer, they were down to, like, plus 400. So right. I just faded it. Got lucky, I guess. Yeah, I stayed away from Green Bay. I didn't bet the 500 either. So I'm pretty happy about that. Aaron, probably... Most happiest that the Packers are struggling and then some, even after the bye week, Jordan Love with scripted plays even. That first half was just abysmal against uh, Broncos defense that was healthier, but still below average at best. Looking at some other poor quarterbacks this week, Aaron, starting off with the Falcons and the Titans. Atlanta, I believe, opened at around one, one and a half, but with Tannehill's already being ruled out, not just uncertainty, now we're seeing juiced Atlanta minus two and a half, I believe, over at Caesars and BetMGM. It's minus 120, two and a half, and also some three minus 110 both ways, with Tennessee likely starting Will Levis, but Vrabel pretty much said Malik Willis should also get some snaps, and we saw him in the latter part of that Ravens game in London before Tennessee's bye week. Tennessee also trading their veteran safety, Kevin Byer, to the Eagles, and that secondary was vulnerable to begin with. So how are you handicapping Falcons and Titans? I mean, it's real simple here. The Titans don't have a quarterback and cut off the head and the body will die. I would like the Falcons a little more if Willis was the starter. I think that Willis has proven what he is, which is a quarterback with pretty much negative awareness. You know, takes a ton of sacks, doesn't really seem to grasp the game situations. Guy's got all the physical talent in the world, but he just hasn't proven he could be an NFL quarterback. Levis, I'm actually kind of high on him compared to what most people think. I think he's got some talent. I think he could be something, but he's not there yet. And the Falcons have looked pretty competent these last few weeks. So I'm definitely going to ride with Atlanta here, especially in less than a field goal. Yeah, I was interested in Atlanta as well. But now that it's up to three, I think it's a little iffier. But I'm with you completely on the quarterback situation. I would be way, way more interested in the Titans Going forward with Will Levis, Malik Willis is just as bad as it gets. But uh, we wanted to ask you also about, speaking of the Falcons, Bijan Robinson had a really weird situation where he barely played last week. Prop bettors were upset. Fantasy players were upset. Um, because technically the NFL rules were broken in this spot when the Falcons didn't disclose anything about Bijan's situation. So uh, 
when he goes out and lays a total egg, barely plays, but but does play so that his props end up having action. Uh, what do you think about a situation like that? I mean, what can you really do here? You know, he did play. He did not get the yards, so the bet loses. And I know it sounds kind of callous, but that's part of the game, you know. You bet based on what happens. You're not refunding under players. You're not taking the money out of under players' pockets. And you kind of have to go by what's written. That said, you know, there is a reporting process, and it does need to go through. I don't know enough about the situation, know if it was just an illness and he woke up that day feeling sick or if it was he had been dealing with something all week. But there's only so much you can do. You know, it's a world of imperfect information and asymmetrical information. And there's always going to be some questions out there. All you can do is make the NFL enforce their rules. If there's a fine to be had, there's a fine to be had. One of our mutual friend of ours, and I know you know him pretty well too, Jeff Benson, got a lot of flack per usual when any sort of prop refund is brought up on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And he had to take a lot of conspiracy theories off the board. What kind of advice would you give to the novice NFL better that maybe is just starting to handicap the NFL. It's not like the NFL is the only sport that deals with this. You have a ton of situations, especially as Mo is familiar with, in the NBA with injuries where injuries don't get reported maybe until 10 minutes-ish, and then you have lines changing like that where maybe you can't buy back. Yeah, I mean, I've seen NBA games go from pick to 11 on injury news, so this does happen. And I think it's a much bigger problem there than it is in the NFL. But what I would advise the novice better is to start looking at it like a sharper player, you know, track NBA situations and then know who the next guy up is and be ready to fire. Yeah, I, I think in certain situations, especially NBA, you do see like overcorrections, to be honest. So it's definitely something that people need to keep in mind and, and just being aware of how teams perform when certain players are out is obviously uh, really important. Speaking of that, we did want to talk about the Browns, and they have a quarterback who is out as well. <laughs> so really weird situation there. Obviously, speaking of weird injury situations, you have the Seahawks opening south of a field goal and then tons of Seahawks action basically through the early and middle parts of this week. Uh, what do you make of that line move and how the market has settled with the Seahawks up to minus four now facing the Browns, obviously at home. But yeah, this is line is starting to get where I would kind of think the Browns might be interesting, even though I liked Seahawks when it was two and a half. Yeah, I definitely want to bet into the teeth of this one. I think that the Browns are a good team all around. And Watson has been good in the past. Watson this year is not that quarterback. There's a drop off from Watson to Walker, but how much is kind of a question. Browns kept the Niners in check, a very good team. They scored a bunch of points on the Colts, who I think are kind of lousy, but they did score a bunch of points. The Seahawks aren't a great team, I don't think, so I'm definitely going to ride with Cleveland here, especially now it's up to four. And this is one of the best defenses in the NFL. Some would say historic. We were getting to an argument about that on Slack in our The Line Slack channel earlier today. Steven Andres coming back because he has Seahawks. Historic defenses don't give up uh, 33 points to Indianapolis. That was his argument. That was his argument, which is fair. I know Mo is also maybe a little, not that he was calling them absolutely historic, but he has a bet going back to the beginning of the season with what? Cleveland allowing the fewest points, and then you are 
Last week was the opposite end of the stick, and you can't really blame much on that. But that Pittsburgh game in week two definitely didn't. Was that the Betmo from the preseason future on the Browns' defense? Yeah, fewest points conceded. So obviously last week really, really hurt. Going to need some pretty awesome performances going forward. That being said, very, very long price. So still happy with my bet. Still happy with my bet. When we talk about quarterback drop-off in terms of what you make a number and the difference between two quarterbacks, Aaron, with someone with sportsbook and industry experience, just to kind of take the viewer and listener back and pull the curtain back into your perspective, what is the difference for you with Watson and Walker then specifically juxtaposed to the average drop-off from starter to backup? I think it's definitely less. It depends also where you stand out on Walker. I know I'm higher on him than a lot of people are. I know I'm even higher on DTR, but he might not be ready yet. That said, uh, quarterback's the one position where you really can't have a standard just because the difference between starting quarterbacks is so different and the difference between backup quarterbacks is so different. You know, you get a situation like Mahomes down to whoever's backing up there, you're looking at probably close to 10 points. But you look at something like Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor, you know, not only is Jones been pretty bad this year, but Tyrod's extremely competent. So that might be a point. So you can't really go with the standard adjustment of quarterback. And I think for viewers that maybe, you know, there are articles out there that have specific adjustments or maybe the specific average adjustment from starter to backup. But to your point, it's obviously situational. And Tyrod was a perfect example of that on Sunday Night Football a couple of weeks ago has played better in a smaller sample size, but the passing efficiency has been a lot better than Daniel Jones, even with a below average offensive line. And his mobility definitely plays into that. Giants and Jets this week, Giants around a two and a half, three point quote unquote home dog, even though that's essentially a home game for both teams. But one of the final games we want to discuss, Aaron, is Bengals and Niners, another backup quarterback situation with pretty much three and a halfs across the board juiced in Cincinnati's direction with Brock Purdy. The news coming out yesterday that he's in concussion protocol may or may not play. So we could see even more of a swing here with the line, but currently juiced towards the Bengals again at three and a half. It opened San Francisco laying five and a half coming off those consecutive road losses to Cleveland and then at Minnesota, where their defense looked pretty exploitable for the first time all season, really, because Brown's game was maybe more so a product of variance, unless you have a different perspective on that. But how do you handicap this one with the backup quarterback situation yet again? Sam Darnold potentially playing the unknown there on top of the fact that, yes, the Bengals are coming off of the bye week, but we still don't know the to the full extent of what Joe Burrow is, even with a little more time off, still dealing with that calf injury at this stage. Well, get ready, because i got some takes for you here. Number one, that Niners defense, just it's phenomenal. I know they didn't look great against Kirk Cousins the other night, but that's a really good defense. And here comes the really good stuff. Sam Darnold's better than Brock Purdy. He simply is. Brock has been extremely lucky with interception drops, I read a stat the other day. He's had the second highest rates of interceptable throws this year. The guy makes a lot of bad throws. That team's carrying him. It's not the other way around. And Darnold, you know, we know what he is. He's got a week of reps behind him. He's got a great team around him, great offensive line. 
You know, Debo's still a little bit up in the air is what really worries me here, more so than the quarterback situation. But he's got some targets. He's got McCaffrey. I think the Niners are going to win this one pretty handily. I totally wanted to just take your temperature on Brock Purdy, but <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I mean, because there's been a lot of, like, discussion among even, like, some of the sharper people on, you know, gambling Twitter and whatnot, like, that have different opinions about Brock Purdy. There's people that say he's a difference maker. And there's people that say he's completely replaceable and a product of the system. And I'm kind of more on your side of it where I don't think he's doing much. At the same time, I do see some plays where I really am impressed with his ability to uh, freelance at times, which I think does differentiate him with some quarterbacks who have ran that system in the past. But yeah, it's really interesting to hear you say that for sure. I was super curious, somebody behind the counter experience like that what they would think in a spot like that because there does seem to be a lot of respect for Brock Purdy out there in in the marketplace yeah the rough part is you can't fade it because the Niners are such a good team around him so you can't really take advantage of Purdy being kind of overrated but yeah this is a guy who doesn't impress me at all he's fine he's not a bad quarterback he's just not a particularly good one there's probably 15 guys I take above in the NFL right now people are going to be coming for you like those ringer quarterback rankings after this, although right maybe here. not because of <laughs> you're ready to go. You're ready to take it on X or Twitter. But one last thing for me on that game, outside of the line adjustment, maybe more so honing in on Cincinnati, how have you power rated this team? Maybe where you had them earlier on in the season, especially with the burrow uncertainty and that calf definitely being more of an issue than it was over the last couple games, but the offense still hasn't necessarily been in sync that not that the Cardinals game was a one-off, but then we saw the performance against Seattle against a more stout defense and the offensive issues kind of re-arose, whether that was Burrow specific or not. So also the defense has been more susceptible, whether it's on the ground or against the pass, but collectively, how do you rate the Bengals at this point? It's hard to say. You know, I certainly don't think they're a bad team, but they're not the team that they've been the last couple seasons. You know, Burrow's obviously still dealing with something. They have talent. They could break out at any time. I'm just not sure that I want to get behind them at any given point. And this is a team that's broken 20 twice. They've failed to score a touchdown twice. And the Niners' defense is not generally your best chance to get right. That's for sure. Even with, you know, there are claims out there the loss of D'Amico Ryans, it definitely has an impact and people calling out Steve Wilkes after the Monday night game. But I agree with you, probably more of just a one game sample size in terms of poor performance than anything else. And before we wrap, Aaron, as I touched down from the get-go, you're a Bears fan. And in our last bet that we had on between the two of us, Mo and I going through our four bets this week, at least that we're discussing on beat the closing number. He mentioned he's betting. He already bet chargers minus eight and a half. Any take perspective on that game? I have a number of takes. <laughs> uh, what do I'm you not got? A Justin Herbert guy. I don't think he's very good. I know everyone loves him. I don't get it. I think he's maybe a eight to 10 range for quarterbacks in the league. You now the guy has a gift for throwing the interception in the fourth quarter at the wrong time. And you know, I know it's old school talk. It's not really backed up by the sharp stuff, but he's not a winner. I, you know, I've just never felt threatened by Justin Herbert. The guy can pull defeat from the jaws of victory. And that said, the Bears defense, not good. 
I'm not laying any points at the Chargers. I'm in no hurry to ever bet the Chargers to win a game just because they are who they are, but I'm in no hurry to take the points either. I'll watch that one with a beer. Would you tease it? I'm in no hurry to bet on either one of those teams. I know it's <laughs> Sunday night. We got to get out. We got to get back. Just find some overs and do what you want with those. Take some player props so that maybe some injuries will arise or someone will get sick. And then we'll get a bunch of more property. And you get a refund tweets. too. You, you get a refund indeed, except for Jeff Benson. He's not handed out any refunds. That's for sure. That's but, good. You love to see it. So that's our conversation with Aaron Kessler. You can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Kessler, former bookmaker at the Golden Nugget in Vegas. Aaron, really appreciate the time today and we'll be in touch. We'll have you back on later in the season here on Beat the Closing Number. Sounds good. Thank you. That's Aaron Kessler. For Monawara, Mo, any last words before we head out of here? And people can check out our World Series betting preview where we're back in another dog, another team that is not favored and probably going to lose. No, I'm just sorry for all the people that are going to have to watch this Chargers-Bears game on Sunday night. I don't think it's going to be pretty. It's not. Any of our bets. None of our bets are going to be pretty. I think we're going to be sweating pretty much all of these. I mean, the... Jeez, Panthers, Chargers, Broncos, and Cardinals. I don't think you could find a podcast that has a more dumpstery pick slate this week. But for Mo, for myself, at Eli Herskovich on Twitter, follow Mo on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at Monoara, two W's. You can follow the lines on Twitter, at the Lines US. If you're looking to bet with BetMGM, use promo code the Lines to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Promo code the Lines is one word. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. You can head over to play.thelines.com to participate in any of our contests this week. We're giving away free Amazon. Well, I guess it's a free contest, but we're giving away Amazon gift cards as a result. And also head over to our free Discord channel to get our bets in real time. Link is over at thelines.com. Mo and I will have a ton of more NFL content up over the next couple of days over at thelines.com. So that's going to do it for this edition of Beat the Closing Number. Thanks for watching and listening. So long, everybody. 